Okay, everybody, Stephen Key, I'm back. And today I've got this special guest. It's kind of a blast from the past. Dan, you're famous. You've got this great product that's been selling for 25 years. Everybody knows what it is. Bop it. Thank you for coming on InventRight TV. Hey, want to play a game that's really challenging? Like what? Like Bop It. It commands. Cool. You obey. Bop It. <laughs> Push it. Pull it. Man, that looks easy. Have it. Sure, it looks easy. Pop it. But it's not! Whoa, it's getting faster. If you can't keep up, with it. you lose! With it. You blew it. My turn. Once you get your hands on Bop it, you're not going to want to stop it. Fast-talking electronic Bop it. Batteries not included. Wait, I invented Bop it? How well, I think... Guess? Well, you know what's amazing? Our careers were kind of started at the same time, I think. Right? I mean... You look a lot younger than I am, so maybe you it's got a younger, maybe you got a younger start at that. But you created something in the '80s that has been around, and people are still loving it for for 25 years or more than that. Well, I actually I created so Bop it. You're right. I sort of started creating it maybe in the '80s, but it actually wasn't launched until '97. Oh, it, it, yeah. It's it was. Uh, I started working on toys with Discovery Toys in the 80s. Like I started my toy career, I think, as we were talking about. And then, um, yeah, when I've showed some of the seeds of Bop It were definitely earlier. And as electronics started to enter the toy industry, that it sort of came out of that. But it, it is very hard to believe it's been 25 years. And uh, now, wait know, a it, minute, wait a minute. Everybody's watching this. We have all these inventors. You, you, and I, I read the story, um, Mojo Nation. It's a great article. We'll put a link down below because it's just wonderful. But you were pitching that idea for quite a while and it, it kind of changed a few times, didn't it? I mean, but don't tell inventors you were pitching it for 10 years and someone finally picked it up. But is that what you're saying? That is more typical than not. Uh, you know, when a toy company comes and you may have experienced and they say, who else has seen this? Are we the first to see this? And I say, well, do you want to know? Because the statistical, the statistics say that the first person to see an idea is usually not the one that's successful with it, in my estimation. It's usually the 10th, 11th, 12th, for a number of reasons that I think are part of my philosophy on what you're doing when you're pitching. So they always want to be first. And I say, you know, that's not your best odds to be first. So, you, you know, it had been seen by at least seven or eight. And I think, as I've said, many during many of those pitches, it's what I call relentless listening. It's listening to what, knowing that your job is to hear, watch, and see, you know, what, what is someone doing when they're reacting to your idea, assuming you're not going to sell it the first time, but that you're pitching it to people that are extremely knowledgeable. Um, they've seen a lot usually, and really being your own editor, take what it is take the good stuff, ignore the stuff that you think, yeah, they were off there. And, and eventually that's where I think a lot of people sell an idea is honing it that way. All right. So it's the feedback, you know, mm -hmm. that's so important. We had interviewed one of the big toy companies and they say, it's all about relationships. It's all about going back and forth. It's us talking to you, giving you feedback. It, that sounds pretty accurate, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. they don't take the first first the product doesn't look the same does it when they first pitch it to, when it goes to 
manufacturing to the store shelf is did they look the same your did yours look the same or yes or no it did not look the same i i could pull the uh prototype up off the wall i do have the early prototype of bop it or but uh it was not at all the same you know it was the same gameplay but it didn't look the same i think you know that the answer to that question is it it really depends i think it's across the board probably more rare that product looks the way it came in usually it's got the strong dna that that product had or whatever that wow feature was that last uh but you know honestly very few of the products even the ones that we've designed within my group ourselves don't look the same as when we license them well i saw one of the first video pitches of bop it and i'll tell you it was it was it real or what? Was it a real prototype? I mean, what was it? Was it, did you fake it or what? Tell me. Uh, it was, it was, well, it depends what you call by faking it, you know, uh, what you mean by faking it. The, the goal of that is to create a real pitch video and a real pitch video is something to show your concept and, and see if people, you know, you're really trying to mock up something in my mind first to say, why spend time prototyping something if they don't, if they're not going to like it anyway. So the first thing I try to do and what I did with Bop It was it was one of many different ideas, but I had the concept of Bop It, Twist It, Pull It, this idea of doing physical actions to commands, which had never been done before that's really the, the main thing that's different about it. And, and to do that, all I really needed was a foam core mock-up that I used an audio track on camera. Okay. And, and it, because if it doesn't look like fun, then no one's going to want it anyway, whether you build, you know, and if it can't show itself well on a screen test, I feel it's, you certainly can sell ideas that, that don't come off well on a screen test, but it's a great way to filter your ideas and say, if it shows well in a screen test, you've got a much better chance because that's the way it's going to be eventually shown. You know, it's a good way to test. Yeah, no, I really like that because if you want to stay in this game long enough and you've been in this game a long time and you've been very successful at it and you're still in it, and you're, you've licensed a lot of things. So I like what you said, test kind of the benefit, test the fun first before you build the prototype. Because if you built a prototype for every one of your ideas, would that be a great strategy, Dan? Uh, for me, it wouldn't be because I'm probably <laughs> slower than most at building prototypes. Okay. I, you know, I really hate to give like probably from my experience, and it depends who you're pitching it to. I believe that toy companies often are so concept driven that if you do a pitch that has technology or costing that's kind of transparent that people are pretty clear, the people mm -hmm. who are evaluated say, ah, that looks like we could probably afford to do it, or that uses this chip that we know is affordable. Like, those are the kind of things you're saying, well, I don't need to prove that. What you need to prove are things like, this is a flying toy that hovers above my hand when I, you know, some new technology that yeah. if you don't, if there's nothing proving it out there, they're like, sure, I, I've invented anti-gravity, uh, trust me. You know, like you have to, I think, say if it's an engineering type of invention, clearly that is a proof of, of magic versus a lot of things I do are more about the sculpture quality, the industrial design, the gameplay, the how the idea and how well it comes across on a, you know, on a commercial. Does it make you want to play it? Uh, you know, what's is there something new about it that you look at and say, I want to try that? Like those are not none of those things have to do with or, you know, necessarily with engineering, 
But I would say for someone who's just an amazing engineer who comes up with a technological breakthrough, probably their path would be okay. maybe do fewer things, but build them. You know, those that's it depends who you are. Okay. It depends what skills you have and depends what mm -hmm. type of product you have and everything else. That sounds fair. Um, now, what's really interesting, you, like I said earlier, you've been doing this for your whole career. How many years have you been a toy inventor for? Well, I officially started my company, KID, Kutzner Industrial Design, which spelled KID by coincidence, uh, 1990 on my birthday, which was uh, in September. So okay. during COVID in 2020, it was the 30th anniversary of my becoming a, officially throwing my hat in and saying, I, I was doing industrial design freelance work for a lot of different clients. I was illustrating, I was doing anything I could get freelance. And one of my clients was a toy company and Discovery Toys. So, but I officially made up my mind that I was gonna name my company KID because it was clever use of Kutzner Industrial Design. I'd still do industrial design, but I was gonna go pitch ideas to toy companies. So that was over 30 years ago. All right. Uh, the big question people always ask me, how do I do this for a living? You know, how do I, how do I have 30 years behind me? How am I, how am I, how do I stay in the game long enough to be successful? What type of advice can you give somebody? Because it's not easy. It's hit and miss. How do you pay the bills? Do you do a lot of freelance work? What do you do to stay in the game long enough to be successful? Well, my path going back to 1990 was I didn't quit my day job, which was freelance. So I had quite a few freelance clients, but the good thing was that the skills required for coming up with toy ideas and pitching them were the same as the skills required for my day job. You know, prototyping things, I was working for companies doing designing remote controls. So as an industrial designer, I had the skills and the, and the supplies and the things and I really just sort of, my path was, well, in between paying gigs, I'll work on this idea. Um, you know, as I had other people in my office, we could trade skills, we could do some things. So it was, it was easier than say, I'm working, I'm an accountant somewhere and, and at nighttime I'm trying to build stuff. It was all sort of mushed together. And so I could efficiently use my skills and facilities in between paying projects until I, it was quite a few years until I started, weaned off of those paying clients and even then it may not have been the right business model i think if i had kept if i had really it was just more fun to do toys but if i had kept some of those clients i think it would have been a much healthier business model that'd be my advice literally don't quit your day job if you don't have to okay um what i want to do everybody we're going to do another video here i'm going to cut this one now but because I want to go through some of the things that you have created and we're going to do that next. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Dan, thank you for coming on. Thank you. You've been in this business forever. Huge hit with Bob it. People are still loving it. He's got a TikTok channel. We're going to talk about that in the next video. So subscribe down below. Keep on listening. This is Stephen Key. I'll be back in just a minute. There's a great idea in each of us, but it's truly magical to see it come to life. Sharing your creativity with the world has never been easier. We can help.